Fiction and reality. New stories, new ideas. Little Beth Entertainment. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Model Rocket Show at themodelrocketshow.com. I'm your host, The Rocket Noob. This is episode three, and we're talking to a guy named Jim Parsons, who, if you are on the Rocketry Forum, you may know better by the username Katesh. Uh, Jim is interested in a lot of different aspects of model rocketry. In particular, he is known for being a wizard with Open Rocket, which is free model rocket design and simulation software you can get on the internet. I'm going to talk a little bit about that before we get into the conversation with Jim, just so that if you're new to the hobby and you're not familiar with it, uh, you can follow along and you know what we're talking about. That's the Model Rocket Show at themodelrocketshow.com, starting in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It's the Model Rocket Show with Daniel, the Rocket Noob. The podcast that's all about model rockets you fly in a park and fly in motors G-size or smaller. And now, here's your host, Daniel the Rocket Noob. All right, folks, before we get into our conversation with Jim Parsons, I want to talk to you a little bit about Open Rocket because we may have some newer rocketeers out there who've never heard of Open Rocket, don't know what it is, and uh, we talk about it a lot in our conversation. I want to tell you about it. It's very useful. It's a great tool. It is free software that you can use to either design or simulate uh, model rockets, basically. Model rockets, high-power rockets, anything that's a hobby rocket. It is free, as I say. It runs on Java. You get it at openrocket.info. And it's good for a few things. First of all, you can design model rockets with it. Now, we're talking about your basic nose cone, body tube, fins kind of model rocket. So it doesn't do odder, odder things like uh, boost gliders or sci-fi stuff or saucers or odd rocks. It's really, you know, your basic sport models. Uh, but it's great because what it does is as you design your rocket and you decide how long you want the body tube and what shape and size and how many fins you want, it's going to tell you where your center of pressure is in relation to your center of gravity. Of course, center of gravity in a simulation is going to sort of depend on how close it is to the finished model, but it'll tell you where your center of pressure is. And if you understand the principles of model rocket stability, you know that your center of gravity has to be forward of your center of pressure, as in closer to the nose cone of your center of pressure by a specific amount. And what that amount is, is equivalent to the diameter of the body tube. If you don't know what I'm talking about, because, you know, this whole center of pressure thing is is sounding kind of new to you, I highly recommend you go and get yourself a a copy of The Handbook of Model Rocketry by G. Harry Stein and Bill Stein. It's currently in, I think it's uh, seventh edition, and it's a great book. You're going to learn a lot. It's going to really open your eyes. So Open Rocket will help you design basic model rockets that you can then build from scratch. You can print out the templates and cut your tubes and do whatever you need to do. It's also really good because you can simulate kits. You can you can create a simulation. Uh, you, can, you say you open up your bag and you weigh all your parts and you measure all your parts. You can input all that stuff in Open Rocket, and you can end up with a simulation that that looks like your rocket. And from there, you are able to do simulated flights, which is really useful. Because maybe you have a kit that comes with a list on the packaging of a few motors, but you want to try something else. Well, you can try all different kinds of motors. The, the Open Rocket has a list of everything from quarter A motors all the way up to monstrous M 
motors and you can try different ones other than the ones stated on the package that came with your kit. And it'll tell you things like how high is the rocket going to fly? Uh, is it going to be going fast enough so that it's stable off of the pad? And how long of a delay do you need if you're going to use a motor ejection, which you know model rockets mostly do? As a matter of fact, I try to have a sim of every single rocket in my fleet uh, because I, you know, I want to play around with different motors. I want to know if it's windy, uh, how high is a B motor going to take it versus a C motor or a D motor or what have you. Um, and so I just really find it useful. Also, I really enjoy the process of tinkering around with something and, and seeing how high can I get this rocket to go if I put a composite in instead of a black powder motor or what have you. Uh, so it's great. I highly recommend you check it out. Openrocket.info. Play around with it. It's a lot of fun. Maybe we'll talk about it more in a future episode. So now we're going to talk to our guest, Jim Parsons. Now, he he is talking to us from China, Skyping from halfway around the world where he lives and works. So the sound quality is a little bit iffy, but I think you're going to enjoy the show. Here it is. All right, welcome back to the Model Rocket Show at themodelrocketshow.com. Let me introduce my guest. His name is Jim Parsons. If you are on the Rocketry Forum, which you, you probably are, and if you're not, you should at least check it out, uh, you may know him as the user Katesh. He is, uh, he's got a lot of interest in uh, the history of model rocketry and is a wizard with Open Rocket and is really well known for the remarkable, realistic-looking simulations he makes with a software that was probably not meant to do what he does with it, um, but it's quite remarkable. Uh, Jim Parsons, welcome. Oh, thank you. It's good to be with you guys. So, uh, happy Easter. This is being recorded for you guys on Easter. I'm of being course recorded a on Easter. day ahead of you. Yep. That, that is yeah, true. Yeah. You are a day ahead of us because you are uh, in China, and that's probably why the connection sounds a little bit sketchy because uh, you're halfway around the world from us. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm about uh, 12 hours ahead of you, actually. So um, There we go. Yeah, I've been in China now for a little over four years uh, teaching English and uh, got back into rocketry uh, soon after I went back to university and uh, went nuts about it again. Um, so uh, any questions? <laughs> yeah, no. So you're a, so you're a born again rocketeer. So you did this, do uh, you did this as a kid? I started model rocketry. I mean, I did the water rocket thing as a, you know, 10 year old or whatever, but, um, I started building BP rockets in ninth grade, uh, Mr. Deller's class at, uh, Ashland junior high school in Ashland, Oregon. And, uh, my first experience was quite fun, except for the part where one of our classmates decided to glue his nose cone on, um, which, uh, Got him suspended. But uh, anyway, my first rocket was a spin fin, which I won uh, through the draw of the straws. I wish I could have gotten one of the cooler rockets, but I got a spin fin. So yeah. I promptly went out and got myself a stiletto. Still have the stiletto. Um, and uh, built rockets like crazy until I joined the military. A couple of years in the military until they told me, we don't need you anymore. Go away. Okay. <laughs> of course, four days, four days before they, you know, before I was sent home, this guy named So Damn Insane or something like that uh, got some beachfront property and uh, a lot of people got really upset about it, but I didn't have to worry about participating in that. 
So I got back into rocketry as soon as I got uh, back to the States. And then from there, life got in the way. Dabbled with it a little bit, um, but uh, really didn't get into it until 2013 again. And uh, that was mainly because I found the uh, 808 number 16 camera and thought, man, if only I could put that in a Cinerock. And oh my God, I went off. <laughs> and uh, learned a lot of stuff over the years. But uh, that was the, so you, the thing, 808. So you had, you, you have a special, you have a special affinity for the Cinerock. Did you actually have one of those when you were younger? Or is it just one of those wish list rockets that you had, you wanted? Um, when I was in ninth grade, um, one of our teachers, um, that was Rudy Dimitrovich, uh, the band teacher, uh, Mr. D as the people would call him, um, was unfortunately going through a divorce and, uh, rather than, I guess, letting his ex-wife get his collection, he sold off, uh, Saturn V, or he sold off his collection, including the Saturn V to me and to Trident a V2 and a Mach 10. And he gave me the 1971 Centauri and the 1971 Estes catalogs. And I looked at that Cinerock and I got, oh man, that's beautiful. That was long before the internet. We're talking about the the, uh, early 1980s. And so no internet, uh, you know, no idea about how to get in touch with NAR and that these things were even around anymore. Um, Apparently, Mary Roberts had a box of them in her office for years. And had I known that at all, had I been able to have the brains to contact Estes and say, oh, do you have anything left? Oh, man, <laughs> I would have bought a box. But, uh, you know, to be young and stupid. Um, anyway, uh, so, no, I just I just love the looks of it. It's, it's such a beautiful rocket. And apparently... It took Mike Dorfler only about 15 minutes to design the Omega. (laughs) The Omega being the actual booster that carried the, uh, the, the Cinerock. Uh, and well, for those, I I should, I should, we should mention what the Cinerock was for any newbies. The Cinerock was, uh, is quite remarkable from Estes back in, what was it? 1971. Uh, there about. So what, in 1970, so it carried. It basically carried a, a what was an eight millimeter film camera, and yeah, so it was yes, the first. Yeah, so it was. It was basically a, a payload. It was a nose cone uh, payload that uh, you could put on top of a BT60 sized rocket. Uh, and the Omega was the rocket. It was a two stage rocket that that sort of everyone thinks of as going with it. Um, and it was, uh, it was one of the first two depowered rockets that Estes released with yeah. the mighty D engine. Yes. Oh, the mighty logs. D, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and it, it was it was the first. Uh, I, I must have been the first uh, model rocket video camera, film camera available, right? I, I've heard rumors, or I've read something somewhere where somebody actually built a. Um, you know, a more powerful rocket that actually launched uh, a full-size, I guess, very small Kodak uh, camera, if I remember correctly. And so, but this was the first one that the average kid could buy had they got, you know, what was it, $20 or something like that. 
Yeah, but in 1970, $20 was a lot of money. So, oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think I did a calculation and it was, it was like, it would be like a hundred bucks in, in today's money or, or more. So. Yeah. A, neat, a neat thing here. I'm just looking at uh, the handbook of small rocketry, uh, the third edition. Um, G. Harry Stein uh, was talking about um, how they hired Mike Dorfler, who developed a very small and lightweight model rocket movie camera. Dorfler's camera was refined and developed into the Estes Cinerock, one of the most elegant uh, model rockets products ever on the market. Oh man, G. Harry Stein has a way with the words. Yeah, your 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 love of these classic kits uh, has carried over into um, a project that you. Well, it seems like a project you've been working on. Uh, you work with the uh, the the simulation and design software Open Rocket, which is free. Uh, model rocket simulation software you can get online it's free it's great uh it's a great tool for rocketeers um it's kind of got in its main form what most people do with it is pretty basic but you've actually kind of turned it into an art form can you tell us a little bit about that well um with open rockets uh i think the first thing that happened was that i discovered that Real physics doesn't exist in open rocket when it comes to representing things. In other words, two things can exist in the same place at the same time. Yeah. And once it's like, I realized that, okay, well, what can I do with this? And obviously the first example of that was fin tabs. Um, But, well, hey, you know, I have these really, really cool rockets like uh, the Cherokee D, which is another one of my early rockets. I think it was my third, fourth, or fifth rocket, the Cherokee D. Um, but it was asymmetrical as far as its markings. And you look at a fin on one side that you can read normally. Mm-hmm. To, to be able to read it on the other side, you have to reverse the direction. And Open Rocket was not doing that very well for me um, until uh, Neil W. I forget Neil's last name. I'm sorry, Neil. Um, but Neil W. from uh, TRF, he uh, he had put out his little. Um, no, I shouldn't say little. He put out his uh, tutorial on how to do the decals, and that really unlocked things for. Me. And this combination of two things in the same place at the same time led to what I call the air fins and figuring out how to use what I call phantom body tubes or PBTs um, to allow me to mount things to places where Open Rocket won't let you. Uh, open Rocket won't let you mount things to uh, a transition, but with a phantom body tube, you can make it. To quote another friend of mine. Um, from Hollywood, um, that would be Dragon Drone, uh, the guy who was Mike Dorns, Michael Dorns, I should say, um, double from Star Trek The Next Generation. Huh. But, uh, he said, fake it till you make it. And that's how he got his way into Hollywood. And um, neat guy, but uh, it's like, fake it till you make it. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And, uh, that's what Open Rocket let me do. I just keep making it until I look like I know what I'm doing. 
So for example, like, so, so for example, open rockets functionality, some of it's kind of basic. So if you wanted to design something like a V2, which has a, a sort of a, a curved tail cone on the back and the fins go on that curved tail cone. Open rocket doesn't really have the ability to do that, but you can, you have learned how to manipulate it so that you can actually make something that at least in the simulation looks like it's supposed to with, with the fins on the tail cone. Well, actually the way you do it is you have to go to the smallest point that the fins come in contact with the rocket. In other words, um, you know, the minimum radius uh, or the minimum diameter. And you create a body tube of zero, you know, zero mass, zero length, um, and zero thickness, but of the correct diameter. And then you attach your fins to that. And so that allows you to um, match your curves if you need, if you are going with a surface mount like you said, on the V2 or on the um, binder design uh, Velociraptor. Yeah. If the rocket, you know, if the rocket has fin tabs that go all the way to the motor tube, then you make a uh, phantom body tube that just protrudes on the back end of it, um, of the motor tube or the back end of the rocket and attach your fins to that. And uh, the big thing is about those is that you use your offsets to move the fins forward to where they need to be. So you're able to make yeah. uh, Estes Estes kits and and well, not just Estes kits, but any any rocket your any model rocket that you want to recreate an open rocket, uh, you can recreate oh, awesome. them, and they're and they're and they're so realistic looking. Like like when I make a sim of a of a kit in my fleet i'm just going for the basics i just want to i want you know the weight and the shape and um but the nose cones if you've ever used an open rocket a, a a you know your main your basic nose cone comes to a sharp point um well of course most estes nose cones don't come to a sharp point um uh so you've been able to to make and you've got quite a long quite a long thread on uh, the rocketry form. We're actually going to link to that in the show notes. So anybody who has not seen it can check out these, these simulations. And, and most of them are downloadable, except if, if there's a, an issue with somebody who doesn't want to release a, a simulation, but most of these are downloadable and they're really fun to play with. And, and, uh, and I've found them really useful for myself. Yeah. Um, with the nose cone hack, um, the the clue to that was um, looking at the um, the Semrock uh, Omega kit. The Semrock Omega kit had a simulated Cinerock nose cone on it, and it was originally done by um, uh, Carl McLaughlin. McLaughlin, I hope I pronounced that right. Um, but uh, I realized uh, in looking at his that okay. It's not a single shape. It's not a single conic section. What it is is it's a, you know, it's a round, it's a round section, the round nose cone, with a with a transition behind it and possibly a transition behind that. Sometimes it could be a series of transitions on transitions. A key example of that would be your um, V two, or not your V two, um, your Honest John nose cone. It's, you know. 
transition on transition on transition on transition until you finally get to the very last transition, which has a shoulder. And that's where it attaches. But um, yeah. you, you can't just say, it's this. Now, one of the things I'm hoping for, praying for, wishing for, is that you'll be able to someday make a round nose cone, you know, one that has a diameter to it, not square angles and rectangular shapes to it, like uh, some of the fantasy shots or fantasy, fantasy rockets out there. Um, but you'll be able to kind of create your profile of it, you know, one half of it, and then from there import it into Open Rocket, and it'll automatically just make it so that it's 360 degrees and give you a completely accurate shape. Um, hopefully even down to the point where you could plug in some kind of like mathematical formula to get an exact um, you know, f of x when x equals blah blah you plug that into the it, it generates the um, profile for you automatically. Yeah, That's in the wish list. I don't know where it fits with Open Rocket's uh, development team um, but uh, that's my hope one day. Um, unfortunately, yeah, that, you can't simulate everything with Open Rocket. The the key example of that would be the Fliss Kit, um, the Fliss Kit uh, Acme Spitfire. But you know you can't make one that'll actually fly. You know, simulate and fly. But you can get the outline mostly right if you take a couple thousand sections of body tube and <laughs> add them together. I've seen things. your I've seen your uh, your simulation of the the Acme Spitfire, and, and this is a, sort of a crooked uh, rocket that looks like it. Well, it looks like something from the Far Side, basically. Um, inspired by the Far Side, yeah. Inspired by the Far Side, uh, and it's a it's a really wonky looking model rocket. And sometimes people see it and they they ask, "Does that thing fly?" And and it does. It flies quite well, um, but it's it's hard to simulate. But you've managed to at least make something that looks like it, it might not be that useful as far as the simulation goes, but it's, uh, it's fun to look at. A lot of these are really fun to look at. And, uh, so, so, but you have, like, I'm just looking at your thread right now. And so far you've got 17 pages on that thread, which is quite, quite a body of work. Oh, is there, all, not, not all of them are, are simulations, not all 17 pages right. are simulations. A lot some of that's replies and, and, and things like that. But, um, but you still, you have a lot of, I mean, you're, you're uploading things a lot. You've uploaded a lot of simulations, a lot of beautiful simulations. So how long does it, I mean, I, I suppose it depends on the rocket, obviously, but how long would it take you to make something like that? Okay. Um, okay. So uh, go ahead and I'd say look at the list of um, rockets that are there. Um, that's probably an easier way. So pick a rocket that you're interested in, a manufacturer you're interested in. That one's alphabetically listed, so you don't. You can go straight to, um, you know, the Estes Yellow Jacket if that's what you're looking for. So long as you know the kit number, okay. So it's alphabetical by manufacturer, and then it's either alphabetical by the uh, name of the kits if they don't have a kit number, and if they do have a kit number, then it's numerical order by kit number. So the Luna Bug, which has a surprisingly low kit number. It's 802 will mm -hmm. appear um, much earlier than some of the kits that came out in the 1970s, but, <laughs> such as, you know, they, they created the kit number. So um, 
This was just the best way I could find to organize. So um, how long is it, how long does the, it would would it take you to, to how long would it does it usually take you to build one of these simulations? Because some of them are quite quite they're really involved. <laughs> um, you know, the, the first time I do a simulation, um, especially if I have to do a nose cone um, from scratch, that's that's where uh, you get the most trouble. Um, you know, then you have to go with the graphics. So the, the more basic the graphics, the more basic the nose cone, then it's just a matter of, okay, do I have this nose cone in my inventory? Yes. Um, okay. So how long is the body tube? This is how long the body tube. What's the shape of the, of the fins? There's, you know, get a scan of the fins with a ruler, please. A good ruler, please. If I don't have one already in my, in my, um, inventory, but then, uh, the really, really killer thing, the thing that really slows me down is getting the graphics. Um, if you're not dealing with color bands you know this is a black band that's three quarters of an inch long or something like that but if you have something that's really intricate intricate um prime example would be like uh the arrow kit the estes arrow mm -hmm. or uh, the vapor oh man the vapor took forever to do because you have a pale background uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for baby blue you're talking about these you know those pastel colors and you have white <laughs> you gotta pick out is this pastel blue or is this white and you or or the yellow and you had to pick out the, where the separation was and try and make it look good and for the open rocket um the graphics that i create they are typically at uh, one pixel equals one one hundredth of an inch. So if you were to say, oh, I got one of Jim's uh, simulations and then try and print out my decals, you're going to be a little disappointed. <laughs> so that's why, that's why it's important um, to have people scan really good you know good good scans 300 dpi 600 dpi you know as many dpi as you can get um scans of the decals and have a ruler with it so that way um you can you know anybody can look at that and go okay well i'm going to upscale this rocket from uh, bt60 to a four inch diameter and they have the ruler there that they can use to help them uh, determine how accurate, you know, how close did I get to this perfect upscale um, of this uh, decal? And also, if they want to just simply print some out for another T60, you know, out of production kit. Another thing that I'll say is that, um, in the for the most part, and there doesn't I don't one hundred percent do this all the time, but. Um, for the most part, it is really, really uncool to um, uh, take some take somebody's design, a new design that's out, somebody's trying to make money with, and clone it. Upscale, yeah. Downscale, sure. But a direct clone, that's pretty uncool. Sometimes, yeah, I've done it myself um, because 
I had six of this kit that used the exact same fins, the exact same nose guard, but I still used their kit, you know, used their fins, their nose cones, um, and their body tubes. I ended up buying their body tubes in order to make this kit that I couldn't afford to buy otherwise. I couldn't buy the whole thing because, but I already had several of them. And so I kind of feel a little guilty about that, you know, confession time here. Well, I tell you something that, that I do kind of on a regular basis is when I'm, when I'm building a, a rocket, uh, sometimes I'm not entirely sure. Uh, well, I might want to say airfoil the fins or something. Uh, and so I often cut a practice set of fins and I will airfoil them and they might turn out pretty good. And so I think, okay, now I can go ahead and use the kit fins. So I use the kit fins. And well, now I've got two sets of fins and I have a bunch of the, the nose cones and the body tubes that already exist. So what'll happen is I will build two of them at the same time. I'll build the kit and I'll build my copy. Cause I've already got the, you know, I've already got you know, the fins cut out, I've got the body tubes, I've got the nose cones. And that way I can play around with, uh, um, you know, paint jobs and, and such. Um, I don't usually when I'm building two, I don't, I don't try, I don't try and copy decals or anything like that. I just sort of like, well, what if I want to paint it this color or that color? Um, so I've got a few kits that I've built where I've, I've actually built two at the same time, just because I wanted to, I wanted to get it right. So I practiced with the fins and then I just ended up just building two rockets at the same time. So yeah. that's something that I do. And I don't feel bad about that. I don't feel so bad about that kind of thing, especially if you're still using their, their original parts. But if you're say, um, you know, you're, we'll say building a, a copy of the Estes vapor. Okay. Mm. Uh, a new kit that came out which is really, really inexpensive. It's so cheap on, on Hobby Lobby. Um, you know, if you have the nose cone already, if you have the body tubes already, okay, I, I kind of feel bad about that. You know, I mm-hmm. do feel bad about that. Do support. But if you've already supported Estes, if you, if you bought the nose cones, if, if you bought the body tubes from them, but to go to source it from another place, um, I feel a little bit, uh, a little bit er about that. Um, doesn't mean that I haven't done it myself, but uh, <laughs> more often than not, I try and I try and respect the the, uh, the designers of Rocket. Um, one of the things I'll say about the vapor uh, is that I'm I really love the fact that it has two different paint schemes. I really hate the fact that it only has one set of decals for the fins for each of those paint schemes. Yeah. Of course, there's a solution to that. Buy two kits, take the decals from the yellow and black one, and put it on one build that's yellow and black, and then you use the other decals for the other color scheme. And so that way you manage to get two of the name decals on it, two sets of fin decals on it, and uh, that you have two rockets. So yeah. double your pleasure. Well, and you got, you know, and you gotta, you gotta be able to lose one. And if you're like me, sometimes, sometimes I will spend a lot of time making something look nice and I'll go out to the field and I'll be afraid to fly it because uh, I spent so much time on it. So it kind of helps to have two. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. Uh, when I went back to the United States back in uh, 20, 2018, um, I went to a flying field with the Southern Oregon Rocketry Club and watched them rock, launch rockets and showed them a few of my beauties. But I also looked at their recovery ground and thought about my ankle at my ankles and uh, ankles, um, obese. Uh, but I looked at that and I thought, hmm, my rockets are too pretty for this. <laughs> so, uh, I, I guess that's the difference between Eagle Point and Ashland, Oregon. Um, Ashland, I would go and launch on the Southern Oregon State uh, College campus at uh, Playing Fields, which is now SOU. Going to Eagle Point, it's dry rocky and uh, but i had a great time i got to see some really really uh neat rockets uh, some met some really really nice people from my stretch of oregon my original stretch home part of oregon but uh, i moved to china from uh, the portland area all right one of the things i was going to go about here um i love my rockets and i love uh, love uh launching and flying them and i prefer not to damage them on recovery especially uh if i can but uh one thing um i've been seeing and it got me on a terror last or last week was people who say oh your rocket's caught in the tree and just get out a chainsaw and cut it down it's like you know uh, guys that's really not a good thing to say because there you don't know who's listening, who's who's watching, and you go, you just say that, and you can trigger some people, and they'll go to their city council and they'll say, "Hey, you know, they're they're cutting down our trees, they're cutting up our trees in our parks and stuff like that because their their toy is stuck in the tree," and we really kind of should think about what we say and do before we do this and my suggestion is is when somebody says hey help my rocket my rocket is stuck in a tree what can i do um here's here's what i suggest to somebody who used it he turned around and he did it um tie a tie a line to a arrow a blunt arrow uh tie a line to a crossbow bolt uh tie a line to a fishing weight and fire that thing up there either with a bow a crossbow or a slingshot get that line up there and then cut through your shock cord cut through your uh, parachute destroy the parachute destroy the shock cord you can replace those okay you can replace a shock cord you can replace the parachute um it's the cardboard and the and the balsa and the paint and the decals that is where the time and effort goes and yeah. if you can get if you can get that part out of the tree you can replace a nose cone if you can't get that back you can easily replace a parachute i i have a whole stack of parachutes um I'd, I'd be happy to give you one of them as long as it's not one of the old uh, checkerboard ones but um anyway you know shock cords can be replaced uh, parachutes can be replaced nose cones can be replaced it's the cardboard and yeah. if people can get their pockets out of the trees without destroying the tree, um, without making jokes about destroying the tree, and I'll, I admit, 
I used to say that too, you know, it's like, oh yeah, funny, haha. But in thinking about it, it's like, ooh, and I'm going to keep saying to myself, ooh, I'm such an idiot. And yeah, well, just, the, hopefully, oh, hopefully, your local city council is not is not uh, uh, on the rocketry forum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you, um, you, you know, you don't want to cause trouble if you can avoid it. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. It's time to talk about our sponsor, eRockets.biz, your home for unique model rocket kits, as well as the world's largest selection of rocket parts from Semrock. They've been in business since 2009. E-Rockets doesn't just stock many of your favorite in-production kits. They also produce their own versions of popular out-of-production models, many of which you've come to enjoy over the years. And what I want to talk to you about right now is uh, ASP, Aerospace Specialty Products. E-Rockets carries a, a whole line of these kits, and uh, ASP does a number of uh, historic scale models of sounding rockets and other types of rockets. Uh, and they do it in multiple sizes, so you can get a, a wide range of things. So, for example, Whack Corporal, an early American sounding rocket, you can get a Whack Corporal kit that uh, flies on either 18 millimeter motors, 24 millimeter motors, or 29 millimeter motors, and they have a couple of different versions of two-stage Whack Corporals. Same with V2s; you can get mini mo- a mini motor 13 millimeter uh, V2 for 18.99. Or an 18 millimeter, that's an ABC size motor for $23.99, or a 24 millimeter V2 for $28.95. So you really kind of, you can kind of sort of pick and choose. They've got a number of uh, cool ones, including the D Region Tomahawk, which is a very popular model for, uh, it's a very popular sounding rocket for scale models. They have a, a couple of different sizes of that. They have the, uh, the 13 millimeter, it's a little bitty one, and they have a much larger one that flies on 29 millimeter motors that flies on anything from, uh, say, E through G. You could probably stick an H in there if you were certified and, and so, uh, so desired to do it. It would fit. ASP rockets feature great quality parts and balsa nose cones, which are not everybody does these days. And uh, you can get them at erockets.biz. There are also uh, plenty of parts for your custom builds. Erockets.biz uh, supplies the Semrock line of airframes, nose cones, centering rings, motor mounts, and a lot more. Erockets has more rocket parts available than anyone on Earth. So check out erockets.biz today to learn more. Erockets.biz. If rocketry scares you, buy a train set. All right, we are back now. Where was I? Yeah, I was going to ask if you get to do any rocketry uh, in China. Um, build them, uh, kinda. Uh, fly them. Yes, they do have it. Uh, can I buy motors? Well, I have. Can I fly them? I really don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and what it is is that. Um, sky sky rocketry that you can get those from Apogee or uh, for Apogee um, is made here in China and it is something you can buy on Taobao and it comes with a couple of B64 motors um, but they are so bad the kits are so awful yeah. um, thin body tubes really really bad plastic parts um, 
of course, I can't read the instructions, but I know enough about building rockets that I can look at pictures and usually figure out what I do. Um, but uh, it's just, they're really, really awful. They are hard to find, although they are not terribly expensive. Um, a launch set, you know, two motors, a rocket, uh, a glider, and uh, a pad uh, sent me back, I think it was 100 yuan, which is about $15. Yeah, Came with everything I needed except for batteries. Everything but batteries and, and glue. And uh, that was that was okay. But um, when it comes to uh, the actual flying part, I haven't I haven't asked. I haven't done. Um, I, I think if when the day comes that I will actually try and fly rockets, uh, there is a student of mine who is showing some interest in the hobby and i've been i've given him a couple of rockets and his dad bought a couple of rockets for him but uh um i'll have him do the launch well you know i would go with him and his dad and let them do the launch and so it's like oh i'm just here for the i was just watching them <laughs> so that way <laughs> um, that kind of thing so it gets me off the hook um, as so far as building, uh, my big, big problem is finding the materials that I need for them. Uh, filler primer, paint, uh, in some cases I want to go with wood hardener. Um, that, those are all problems. The Chinese have a super thin super glue. Hey, I found super thin super glue. Spit has slightly better adhesive properties. I <laughs> <laughs> just spit on it and it'll stick better um i mean it has no durability whatsoever and i know that super thin ca is not really used for the super strong long lasting joints but you'd think that it would be able to hold a couple of pieces together for more than 15 minutes yeah well, um, that would be the hope so i have to get my supplies from the states and a lot of the stuff is coming from e-rockets uh, I did receive a, a very nice care package. Actually, I've received several care packages over the years, uh, but recently I received one from Tim, uh, Tim Egan, and uh, he included some wood, uh, you know, CWF, you know, the, the carpenter's wood filler. So yeah. I have yet to experiment with that. Um, that'll help me take care of the spirals. But then the other thing is the paint and the wood hardener. And I have some four-inch binder design kits here, uh, and four-inch scratch build ideas here that I'd like to do. Um, and uh, also, well, I have uh, an Aerotech Mega Initiator. Uh, thank nice. you to them for sending me. Yeah, they uh, they sent uh, that to me for for a sim, which is on the on the. Uh, list of rockets that you can look at on my uh, open rocket thread um and uh anyway so i've got those i've got some four inch nose cones from estus uh so i could do an omega if i can just get the body tubes <laughs> uh if i could get the body tube sent to me intact but i don't know That's why tough. it is but it seems like yeah, the box from the mega initiator 
looked like somebody used it. I, I can't tell if they used it as a ladder or a soccer ball. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I think they might have tried to do both. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've uh, got some body tubes on the way from Carotech. They've told me that uh, they've got some, some new body tubes in stock, so I should be seeing those soon. Of course, that is also dependent on COVID-19. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, so looking forward to that. And uh, you might be seeing some more of my simulations in your uh, advertisements and in your motor packs because um, I've been doing some cutaway uh, open rocket sims again. Oh, nice. So, on the lookout. <laughs> it's like, ooh, that looks like it was done in open rocket. Huh? Might have. Just <laughs> <laughs> have been. Not necessarily the best way to do it. I'm sure that there are 3D software programs out there that can render it better. But I'm using what I got, what I know. Well, yeah. And you know, and and it looks and and it looks great. Seriously, we're gonna put the link to that thread again in the show notes. And if you haven't seen it, you should check them out. Also, open. I'll put a link to Open Rocket. If you don't have Open Rocket, you should you should get it. Uh, it's a free tool. It's really useful, uh, and uh, it, it'll enable you to take a look at these sims and and uh, turn them around and manipulate them in three dimensions. And uh, and do flight simulations, which is uh, which is really helpful. I actually have used your sims for. A number of things. I I used your simulation of a, an Estes Leviathan because I used that for my level one high power certification. And um, as you know, you you know for the, the a lot of the decals and a lot of the the paint and stuff, you'll put extra phantom fins and stuff. So I I just remove all that just so that I know where the center pressure is and all that stuff. Um, I make a copy of course because I want I want to keep your beautiful beautiful simulation so I can look at it. Um, yeah, but, uh, the critical thing and, and, is, oh, go ahead. no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and then today, just today I finished, uh, my first Semrock, which was the Cherokee D and, uh, yeah. I used your, I used your, your simulation and your, your Flickr, uh, uh, images for just showing me where the decals should go. Cause I, you know, the, the, the instructions come with one picture. And I want to see what goes on the other side of the rocket. So it was really helpful uh, to have somebody who, who knows that rocket really well and, and knows where things should be so that I could refer to it as I was placing the decals. It was very helpful. Well, thank you. Um, when it comes to the Cherokee D, uh, I want to talk about that uh, quite a bit. Um, but uh, one thing, uh, one other place you can look at my simulation or see my simulations if you get sports rocketry, the, the NAR uh, magazine. Look on the back on the Aerotech, um, the Q Jet cutaway motor. That's that's my handiwork there. Um, anyway, uh, as so far as the Cherokee D, thank you for mentioning that one. That is one of my favorite rockets. As I said, it was what, my third, fourth, fifth rocket. Um, one of the things that of looking at that rocket and thinking about it and it's like okay here's a picture of it in the catalog or here's a picture of it in the instructions or you know here's an official picture of it from somewhere and then okay these are the decals we have and how do i make these decals look like what i see there another prime example of that kind of decal situation would be uh the dura red max yeah. um 
you, you look at this and it's like, okay, well, how does this work? How can I see these decals here, but I don't see the other ones that I know have to be there? And um, that's that's a big part of the trick. One thing, though, is that I've taken to more recently um, putting the decal or putting a if it if it matches up on both sides. Let's say the I call it the Nike swoosh of the Cherokee D. The Nike yeah. swoosh is a, appears on both sides of the fin. That's that's no biggie. So what I'll do is I'll do the generic Nike swoosh fin as the one that actually stays on the simulation. And then there's the one that says NASA. And then there's the fin with the NX, you know, numbers there. And what I'll do with those is I will put those on air fins and put those on a phantom body tube. And so all of the, you know, the, the pretty, pretty decals with all the extra stuff go on that phantom body tube. And if you want to simulate how the rocket actually flies, you have to delete that, um, you have to delete that phantom body tube in order to get the flight performance. Um, right. But that's one of the things that I've been doing. <clears throat> now, with the Cherokee D, um, that's been a pet peeve of mine for a long, long time. I mean, I love Jim Z's site. And I love Plans.Rocket Shop. But unfortunately, the Jim Z's uh, Cherokee D fins didn't have a ruler with it. Now, I understand with TIFF, it'll tell you, you know, if you go into the properties, it'll tell you the resolution. But here in China, when I try and print something out um, without a ruler, it's plus minus 15%. Okay. Yep. It might be right on. It might be 15% larger. It might be 15% smaller. And so you have a real problem. With that, and so anytime uh, I get an old kit, and I wish everybody would do this, anytime that they get an old kit, scan the fins, scan the decals, and include a ruler with it. And it's not the cheap fifteen cent or whatever I don't know how much they cost anymore, but the cheap ruler that you you send off with you know Johnny and and Sally when they go to school in first grade, but something that's you know, really, really thin, preferably plastic, um, or, you know, preferably plastic. The metal ones do work, but uh, the shine of the metal ones makes it hard to see the incrementation on it. One uh, sixteenth of an inch is usually pretty good. Of course, if you can get down to the 32nd or the 64th of an inch, um, that's even better. Heck, even metric works. You know, I can. I can work with that. Um, anybody can work with that. But this way, you eliminate any doubt. And uh, uh, when I first got back into the rocketry, you know, I wanted to do a Cherokee D because my Cherokee D, the one that survived um, of the two, uh, the one that survived really went through a beating. It it uh, it got it swam. It, it's one of the <laughs> rockets that made me member of the goldfish club the goldfish um, club yeah but, yeah um but uh anyway uh, the surviving one is in bad shape and i really wanted to build it 
And I saw the magician. I was like, oh, man, the magician's got the right fins and the right nose cone. And, well, not the right nose cone. But anyway, I can do it with this. And then I popped out the fins and I held them up against my original. And although the length of the edge was right, the shape was wrong. I mean, it had a, it was like a 32nd of an inch or more um, shorter. And mm-hmm. there was a border all around it. It's like, but I couldn't trust my own uh, Cherokee D because I had built it. I had sanded the fence. And so, um, you know, I was hoping, hoping, hoping that somebody would, you know, take the take the time and scan the fins with the ruler so that way we we get it it never happened and and eventually thank god i got one on ebay and it sat in e-rockets uh in e-rockets warehouse for a while uh the cherokee d was among the the two boxes that arrived here and so i finally managed to scan that with the magician's fins thank you again tim um and prove that they are not the same shape. They are not the same size. So, uh, if you're looking to clone a out of production long Cherokee D using the Cherokee E, you should know you're going to need to cut your own fence uh, because the shape of the fence are, if you're a purist, not accurate to not accurate. the die cut of the of the 1970s and 1980s when the Cherokee D was in production. All right. Uh, all right. Well, Jim, thanks very much for coming on the Model Rocket Show. And uh, again, we're going to post uh, links to all the necessary information uh, that you will want to refer to in the show notes at modelrocketshow.com. Uh, and uh, thanks a lot. Thanks, Jim. No problem. If you need any help with uh, Sims, uh, you know, check us out over on TRF. I'm Katesh, the Open Rocket. Chuck Norris is somebody labeled me. I love that. I uh, saw so that. If, I, if I can't help you, then then Neil can, or any one of the other people who have uh, who are either working on it or or using it can can help you out. Uh, of course, my time zone's a little bit different, so uh, yeah, they, they might get you. I might be asleep. Yeah, anyway, because you're in the future. Thanks so <laughs> thanks a lot. Yes. <laughs> All right, that's the Model Rocket Show at themodelrocketshow.com. I am your host, The Rocket Noob. If you want to send me an email, do send me one, noob at themodelrocketshow.com. That's N-0-0-B at themodelrocketshow.com. Now, if you get a chance, give us a rating and a review on your podcasting app. Share the podcast with a friend if you like the show, because that really helps get the the word out and uh, spread the word that we've got this, uh, this great little show. Uh, you can always kick in a couple bucks to us a Patreon if you want to. We are twinned with The Rocketry Show, so if you want to kick in a couple of bucks a month, that's patreon.com slash The Rocketry Show. But mostly, if you like the show, share it with a friend. All right. Uh, oh, speaking of email, I have gotten a couple of emails. It took me a while to uh, to actually get through them. We had some funky, weird thing where uh, the uh, the show email was forwarding to my email address, and it, would look, it was looking like spam and... Uh, so if I haven't gotten back to you, uh, I'm working my way through those and I apologize if you are waiting for a message back from the old noob here. Uh, anyway, we'll be back in probably about two weeks and we'll just have to see what the topic is. All right. Catch you next time on the Model Rocket Show at themodelrocketshow.com. <laughs>